So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks as always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week is Chris Hodgkiss. Now, Chris is the CEO of PD Risk Solutions. Now, a highly experienced ex-military private security professional, extensive corporate experience as well, leading a £25 million turnover organisation with over 3,000 staff, a security and terrorism risk assessment and risk mitigation specialist. That will all make sense in our conversation in a moment. Chris has also spent considerable time as a consultant to World Bank projects across both Africa and the Middle East. Now, in 2021, he recognised the need for a simple-to-use, cost-effective terrorism risk management solution for UK businesses in the light of the new legislation related to the Manchester Arena bombings, and significant and important it is too. So, Chris, welcome. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much. So, um, pleasure to uh, to get you on as a guest. I know we've been talking for a while trying to make this happen. But before we get going and into, you know, the, the substantive part, way back when, talk to me about your background. Let, let's stop. What was your actual intended career as a, as a as a youngster with his short trousers on peering out of the window? And then just talk me through where it went. Well, interestingly, I always I think I always knew I wanted to join the military from my early teens. Um, so that was always very much on the cards. Um, and post that, I don't think I had uh, many thoughts about what I'd do. Um, I, I know that leaving the military, I absolutely swore blind I wouldn't get into private security <laughs> and then promptly got into private security. But um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, there was no sort of overarching plan. Um, you know, the army was... Uh, I joined at, at an interesting time um, and, and we were quite busy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, post that, I uh, I thought... I, I Initially, I emigrated to New Zealand and worked for Rugby World Cup in a, in a sales oh, wow. industry, Um which uh, sounds more fun than it actually was. But um, but then, yeah, and then came back and, as I say, uh, got back into private security and found myself back in Afghanistan. And and so how long was that stint in the army? Come on, give us a little bit more than just I joined the army. Was that in at 18 and, and uh, another? No, 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 I was quite, I was quite old. I, I think I was 23 when I joined and I joined as a Tom. Um, sorry, as a private Tom soldier. Yeah, as a private soldier um, uh, in uh, parachute regiment. And I had a, yeah, flashed a bang pretty quick. We, I think I joined January 2005, got to battalion August 2005, and we deployed uh, to Afghanistan on the on the break-in tour into Helmand in, in March 2006, um, uh, which is a, a very well-published or, or documented tour. Um, and on return, some silly bugger saw fit to send me to Sandhurst. So uh, I, was, I was in Sandhurst in January 2007, um and uh and then commissioned to the Gurkhas um and and found myself in in Brunei doing the jungle warfare instructors course um and then back to Afghan in in 2010 so I saw two football world cups in Afghanistan um and uh and then I left end of 2010 so six years um yeah fairly uh yeah lots going on and and for those that don't know Sandhurst being where uh, the good and the great get sent uh, to, when they're identified as officer material, I think I'm right in saying. Correct. Yeah, good and the great is probably a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> so, so there we go. So you've left the army. You've gone out to New Zealand, and as you say, maybe not as glamorous as you thought it might be. Private security. So talk to me about that bit. So 
you know, join the gaps up. And yeah, so yeah. you've got what you're doing today, which we'll come on to in a moment. So what, what other than the World Cup with rugby, what, what happened? So I came back and uh, yeah, joined, joined an organisation that was providing uh, pretty much 95% of the security for the United Nations in Afghanistan. Um, I think we had at, at our peak 2,000 unarmed guards, 700 armed guards, um, and 47 sites across the, the whole of the country. Um, uh, and so I was uh, deputy country manager there, sort of tag teaming with the country manager running running the the uh, the show, um, which was which was a great experience for me from a commercial perspective. Um, albeit security and albeit in Afghanistan, you're still um, you know running a PL, running all the headaches that you have with with contract management and and managing a, a workforce of that size clearly um spread across uh significant distances um and uh post that the the organization brought me back to do market entry so my job was to be first boots on the ground in a in a new territory whether it be somalia south sudan yemen um and i would go in scope the size of the market uh work out what the constraints were in terms of in terms of you know the the legislative requirements for setting up an organization find a partner design and cost the operational solution win the new business and then hand that over to an ops team uh, before i moved on to the next next spot or next uh, lo location and i did that in well yeah in south sudan somalia and yemen and then i thought to myself well i, I can do this for me so i set up shop for myself as a market entry consultant three months prior to COVID. Um, and obviously nobody, not too many people doing market entry during COVID. So I was um, uh, sort of railroaded more into straight up risk consulting. I did that for um, a couple of bigger organizations such as um, International SOS and Garda, um, to name but a few. Uh, and at the same time, I was also working with um, some tech startups trying to help them in the defense space so i had an exposure to the tech startup world um and obviously you know the, the straight risk consulting world and it was about february 2021 when i first read about um what was then the the protect duty um but has always been called the you know, martin's law um and that was yeah as, as you say where the where the uh the idea came from and and so that was you know 2021 was it that that set up so yeah explain to me a little bit about you know the, the the business as it is today so pd risk solutions uh protect risk uh you know what what what's the offering what's it set up you know just explain to me a little bit about about the business and its offering yeah sure so the, the, the very simple idea is that you know clients generally and this is not just in the uk but all over the world, you know, security doesn't make anybody any money, right? They, they find it something that it's it's a it's a cost that they generally don't want to have to push out for, and they want things to be as simple and as easy as possible. That doesn't mean they want to um, push down the quality of the service they get. They still want the quality, but they, you know, they, they really want to keep it as simple as, as possible. And that's what we set about to build. With was a, a piece of technology that can be used by anybody. Doesn't need to be a security manager can be used by um you know the the mcdonald's restaurant manager in hanworth um to be able to assess and manage terrorism risk um it is you know under the current health and safety act seen as a foreseeable risk and should be should be uh, assessed and mitigated to a reasonably practicable level 
Um, and clearly the, the incoming legislation, um, such as it is, and, and I must always caveat this by saying, you know, this this is this legislation is not over the line yet. Um, you know, we're all very hopeful that it will because we feel it, it is necessary in this country. Um, but uh, it, it is, you know, in its draft form as it is, we understand what's required, but that could all change. Um, and so, yeah, so what, what PD Resolutions does is it provides uh, a, a, a do-it-yourself software as a service to allow people to very easily and quickly assess the terrorism risk to a venue and then manage that terrorism risk from a from a simple to use portal. And and that that comment there, you know, terrorism is a foreseeable risk is a is a is a massive shift, isn't it, in terms of you know awareness and and what people, retailers, brands, anybody yeah. uh, is going to have to do. And it has yeah it has really heavy and specific liabilities. I mean, you know, terrorism was never seen as a foreseeable risk. Arguably, it should have been a foreseeable risk under the health and safety regime prior, but certainly. The Manchester Arena Inquiry Volume 1 has firmly established this now as a foreseeable risk. And this is not just me saying it, it's in the, it's in the inquiry. It's in, um, yeah, it's on NATSCO, uh, sorry, the, the National Counterterrorism Office's website. Um, there's, there's a range of places. You can, it's in the Health and Safety Executive website now as well. You, you can see it in a range of places. But what it means is if you're not considering terrorism as a risk, as part of your health and safety regime, if in the you know, the awful circumstance that a a terrorism event spills into one of your sites, um, and you know that results in fatalities or injuries, not only is the organisation potentially up for um, personal injury claims, but the, the directors and officers of that organisation, as with any other health and safety risk, can face criminal prosecution. Mm. Um, and you know it's it is certainly something that our clients, the people we're talking to now, are, are taking very seriously. Um, really, you know, a lot of the multi-site, big multi-site organisations who hadn't previously been considering are now shifting to to bring this in, into play. Um, unfortunately, a lot of health and safety service providers don't necessarily have it in their wheelhouse because it's not something they've 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 had to do before. So we work through uh, health and safety providers to provide the service to their clients. And and you touched on the Manchester Arena bombing, which was an awful. Uh, uh, incident a few years back, and then we've got Martin's Law, which has uh, you know made it into sort of uh, UK verbiage around that. But just take me back, you know, what is that? How did it come about, and and to this point? So just give me a summary of that, and then we'll go on and maybe talk about the implications for for retailers and site owners and, and what's what it all means. So Martin's Law, the genesis comes sadly from uh, the Manchester Arena bombing. Uh, Martin Het was was one of the fatalities, um, and his mother Fegan Murray, um, about a year later, I believe, um, you know, was at another venue and sort of looked around and said, "Well, a lot of the, the problems that were in Manchester are still here, and nobody's done anything about it. And we need something. We need a piece of legislation to compel organisations into um, actually mitigating terrorism risk." Um, and that's and and she spearheaded the campaign and has you know worked tirelessly to get this over the line and and she must take all the credit because it's it's been a I, I believe a, a very difficult journey for her. Um, and in in the Manchester Arena itself, there has and this is pretty well publicised in the report, but there were there were a lot of points of failure, not only in the uh, detecting and deterring piece, uh, um, and, and there is arguably many moments when the, the bomber could have been stopped 
but also in the um, in the aftermath, in the immediate aftermath, um, and the lack of processes to bring the, the the correct resources to bear to save life um, was not there. And 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 again, arguably, there were a number of casualties that that didn't need to become fatalities. Um, and yeah, that's really what the the legislation hopes to rectify. Um, it, it's there to you know, to make sure that people are prepared and ready to um, to respond or know what they have to do in the event of the unthinkable, which is you know, a terrorism event happening happening to them. Um, as it stands at the moment, as I say, there are, there are a couple of tiers within the within the ter within the legislation, and and, and, I, and I must keep caveating this by saying this is only in draft at the moment. Um, the the standard tier uh, looks at all um, sites that fall in the scope of these qualifying activities for this, for, which have a capacity for 100 people or more, uh, and they uh, will need to do a terrorism evaluation. Um, and then the enhanced tier is 800 people or more, where they will have to do an enhanced security uh, terrorism risk assessment and and put in place enhanced risk mitigation measures. Um, yeah, I think I mean. It, it, the only other thing to say on the bill is, is in terms of timelines, because it's one that everybody keeps asking me. Um, you know, we we expect the bill to be in the King's speech in Parliament on the seventh of November, very soon thereafter to be introduced into Parliament, either through the Commons or Lords. Um, then it all gets a bit murky because it can bounce between um, houses uh, for for significant periods of time, but hopeful for royal assent to the legislation January to March next year. Mm. So this really is, you know, finally about to land. So, you know, and, and and you touched on this, you know, in terms of, you know, the implications and, and prison, but as a senior manager, risk director, board member for a, a retailer, I'm sat there knowing this is coming and, and I've got to do something. Is that yeah. the main thing? I've got to put it within you know, the assessments that are done to A, As because it's, it's a, the right thing to do and B, because we could get fined and somebody could go to prison? Well, as it stands at the moment, again, um, and as we understand it, the, the key difference is, you know, with the new legislation is it's proactive. You are going to have to submit an evaluation for your sites to a regulator each year. So you're not, it's not like health and safety where you might get inspected and you might be liable if something were to happen. As we understand the legislation now, uh, and in our talks with people in the Home Office, there is going to have to be a, a submission like a tax return, um, as I say, done once every 12 months. And you're going to have to evidence the fact that you've mitigated risk to a reasonably practical level. So there is going to be a deal of work that needs to be done by, by organisations. Now, failure, as I say, to do this, um, and again, as it stands, and this would clearly be something that will be debated in, in Parliament, is initially uh, fines. Um, then, if if you can continued non-compliance will result in a forcible um, closure of your operation for a small period of time, and if you carry on not complying, then you're looking at yeah, you're actually looking at jail time for directors and officers. So, yeah, it's it's at the moment it's got teeth, um, and you know there is there, there there will be a lot of work that people need to do. And I, I wonder what the implications are as well, because this, you know, the, the arena bombing was was hugely high profile, uh, sadly. And uh, I wonder when the legislation lands, I guess there's, there's going to be a public expectation as well that organisations are taking this seriously. I wonder where this is going to go in terms of, 
you know, social media chatter. And, and if it becomes a question, people expect, uh, you know, to have been taken seriously and, uh, and people will check on what's going on. So there could be some significant brand damage as well if you don't uh, take this. Yeah, seat. absolutely. I mean, I, I, there is, I, I don't think the government will um, accredit people to this. That's certainly not what we're hearing. Um, there may very well be something that, um, you know, industries themselves decide to come up with and, and self-police um, and certainly local authorities will be looking at this um, to, to, you know, when it comes to licensing and uh, and a range of other issues. Um, the government currently with, with all these pieces of legislation is always hamstrung by lack of marketing budget to make sure enough people know about it. To a degree, they, they rely on uh, private enterprise, you know, to make sure people are aware. Um, because it's in our interest to you know, to to make sure people are aware of what's coming. Um, but yeah, from a from a social media standpoint, certainly, as you say, I, I think there will be brand damage if if people uh, you know don't take it seriously and put it into place and, and are shown not to do so. For every type of business. The power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. If you were to talk to somebody, there I am on the board of a of a retailer, and, and this is, you know, going to become legislation. We pretty much think we know in, in what form. What what would your advice be, you know, today? Well, what or you know, the, the, the great question is always what should I do on Monday about this? What 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 should people be doing at the moment well my advice is you know it, it is under your health and safety regime now you should be looking at this there is an extant liability um to uh, view and assess and mitigate to a reasonably practicable level terrorism risk under your health and safety regime failure to do that as i say if, if and the most likely terrorism event now and this is not just me saying this is born out of natsco and a, a whole range of other people is some form of marauding knife attack on a high street or, or some sort of multi-site um, shopping uh, uh, area. Um, and yeah, if, as I say, if, if that results in fatalities or results in personal injury claims, then that is a liability for an organization now. Um, and when it comes to the incoming legislation, yeah, if, if you're a big organization, you've got plenty of sites, you need to be looking at this now because there will be, whilst there is going to be a grace period post the legislation going live, um, depending on the on the size of your site, you, you may very well want to be ensuring you've got everything in place that you need to have in place. And that 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 may take a lot of work. Um, clearly, we hope to reduce that burden to business by um, you know, helping them with, with our software. Um, but you, in terms of the impact to your organization from a fiscal viewpoint um, and just from a managerial point, viewpoint, the longer you can spread those changes out, the better rather than sort of waiting to the final three months and going ah we've now got to do this if you see it coming from a long from a long way out you can spread the burden from a financial viewpoint and a managerial point as i say across a much longer period of time yeah these things are always much more uh you know practical and less disruptive with a with a longer and more considered run run time you know time and time again we see people acting at the very last minute and then it gets disruptive and expensive crucially so uh yeah probably decent advice there yeah uh, as you say it's it's something that and we have clients who are 
you know, absolutely looking at from both pieces of legislation, viewpoint, health and safety and, and the new Martin's Law, and are just getting ahead of the curve. And it just means it's it's a much gentler run-in. So, so step back to sort of the, the day-to-day cut and thrust of your business, as it were. I'm just, just intrigued. I mean, huge uh, experience in the background, very diverse uh, sort of range of clients that you've got. So talk to me about your day-to-day. So, you know, you open the the laptop turn on the pc in in the in the morning what takes up the bulk of your time uh is it talking to people like me on podcast that want to know what's going on with martin's law so just just give give me a flavor of what the day typically looks like currently um yeah the vast majority of what we do or what i'm doing at the moment is uh you're trying to drill down on the on the software to make it as user-friendly as possible we, we think we have a very good product as it is in terms of making it quick and simple and easy to use I mean, it only takes someone you know it's all to do a risk assessment takes eight to ten minutes um on any site and that's all yes no questions and multiple choice so anybody can do it but there is a there is a science and an art to to making sure that you know there are no ambiguities everybody understands it it's much easier to use and um, and there's extra functionality that we that we wish to put in, all of which, and, and I never built a piece of technology until I did this, um, and had no idea of the the level of detail that one needs to go into. Um, but yeah, it takes up a lot of time, and and um, yeah, we have a, a team of subject matter experts and and, and well known industry um, professionals, and and we sit together to ensure that what goes into the technology, it is absolutely right and is and is backed up by government advice and and you know everything that you know all best practice that, that we believe in our own um group opinion and as i say that that is given to um uh given to industry by the government um so yeah that takes up a huge amount of time and then uh, and generally you know dealing with with clients um and uh and, and making sure that they've got everything they need and and so with the piece of software if i start at the beginning and go through it, it it's going to ask me the questions to make me think about what reasonable mitigation i've taken for a terrorist threat to layer on top of my regular health and safety assessment so what it will do is is it, and yeah if you're a multi-site organization we we onboard you first so we would get a list of the sites that that uh, that you have um the site managers would then receive an email invite them into the the uh, the software um, and then from there, they will conduct their own risk assessment. So each individual site manager will do their own risk assessment for their site. And yeah, it takes eight to 10 minutes. Um, it will ask them, you know, things like what's your capacity? Um, uh, how many high profile visits do you have? Do you have any high profile visits? You know, what, what are you, you know, what's your location? Are you near a transport hub? Are you near a landmark location? Stuff like this. Then we'll ask you about the various um, uh, vulnerabilities or policies and processes you have in place. And that goes into those yes no answers are quantified into values and they go into an algorithm um and that algorithm spits out risk scores for each of the uh, identified um attack methodologies um and those risk scores have proportional risk mitigation measures assigned to them so at the end of this eight minutes you you get a a, a risk and well we would call it industry leading risk assessment um, that says you must do this, 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 and this. Um, and as I say, it's back to this idea of simple inputs give you simple outputs. Um, and then that store manager will have a list of tasks that need to be completed. Um, and each of those stores can be, you know, there is a risk management portal or, or dashboard that the 
the group or the, the the headquarters risk manager can then see where all the risks are and who's who owns them in each of the sites um and then they can manage the the mitigation measures and and once they put mitigation measures in place they can then upload it to the site um so that the evidence is there um and when the new law comes in hopefully we will uh, submit that on their behalf to government um so then they don't have to do any of that it's just the one-stop shop mm, perfect so so other than you know further improving the app and the process what, what else are you focusing on right now what's 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 coming down the line what's left of 23 and into into 24 is this the the whole focus or are you just being pulled out into into wider areas you know what, what what's happening no, so for the company, we're 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 in a, we're in a, a funding round at the moment. So we're raising capital um, in preparation for the new legislation. And then I think for um, certainly the next two years, you know, responding to Martin's law will be the focus of the organisation. Um, there is, you know, there's a lot to do in in that first two year period. Post that, um, yeah, we we very much look at international expansion. Um, there's already people that we're talking to overseas, and there's there's the, the technology itself is is not only risk agnostic, I suppose, it's also uh, can be used in, in, in different countries. It just needs configuring correctly. Um, so, you know, the US is certainly a market we're very interested in with the active shooter problem over there. Um, I think there was 644 mass shooting events in the US last year alone, um, which and a mass shooting event is defined as four or more people dead without including the gunman. Um, India, clearly somewhere we're very keen to look at and, and the rest of Europe. Um, and that's not to talk about, you know, uh, horizontal expansion into health and safety risk or fire risk or something, something along, those, along those lines. So, yeah, there's there's lots to do. As I say, the, the initial focus is is very much um, the Health and Safety Act now and Martin's Law and, and um, just helping as many of our clients as possible be be compliant in, um, in, in the quickest and easiest possible manner. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we visit five continents with with retail risk uh each year and uh you know I, I can tell you you know the the need to mitigate risk is universal the specifics are different um but everybody's trying to figure out what best practice looks like what yeah. we need to to consider what we need to report so uh yeah you, you better start getting ready to uh to rack up those air miles <laughs> and that's well look yeah we'd, we'd obviously be very keen to talk to anybody we're not going to turn anything away now but um but yeah, I mean that's that's very much where we want to be is is, is helping organisations in any part of the world, um, you know, identify what best practices quickly and easily, and then put that in place quickly and easily. Um, you know, as I say, in in my experience, even in places like Somalia and Yemen where you have a really serious threat, um, people find it difficult to either get resource um, or even identify what what it is that that is reasonably practical to do. Um, and it's only sort of post an event that you find people start throwing money at this sort of thing. But, you know, what you really need before that is to show you've done the risk assessment correctly. You've come up with what should be done um, and you put that in place. Chris, um, absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for bringing us up to speed on uh, on Martin's Law, particularly uh, as we watch that closely here in the UK. Um, I know um, it's going to get higher and higher visibility so i suspect uh, we'll see you far and wide as one of the leading experts on on what's happening uh, as that comes into legislation so i wish you all the best with that keep us posted uh, i'm sure we'll see you doing the rounds but for now chris thank you very much indeed for taking the time to join me paul great talk thanks sir mm -hmm.